Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 18. Many times when I speak on a Sunday morning, I teach on the subject matter on Wednesday night. But this Wednesday, I was able to share some of the beginning parts of what I was going to share this morning because we're second in our series on the fight. Last week, we shared a message, the fight to stay pure. And this week, I want to speak to you on the fight to stay prayerful. The fight to stay prayerful. Staying prayerful does not come easy. Devotional prayer is one thing. Because devotional prayer is motivated by our love for God and our gratitude to God for the things He's given us. But petitionary prayer, when you're praying for the Lord to do something that only He can do for you, for family, for marriage, for physical needs, it's hard to stay persistent and continuous And to this end, Jesus taught this lesson. If you're there in Luke 18, say amen. And Jesus spake a parable unto them, unto this end, saying, Men ought always to pray and not faint. Now just hold your Bible right there. And notice that he did not contrast men ought always to pray with men not praying at all. That's not what he said. He said, men ought always to pray and not quit and not faint saying, There was in the city a judge which feared not God nor regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And the judge would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, and please mark this in your Bible, Hear what the unjust judge says. It's important that you hear what the unjust judge says so you can contrast it with what the righteous judge says. This is not a formula in comparing the unjust judge and God saying if you'll do what the widow did to the unjust judge, you'll get the same results. It is a contrast, a, a lesson in opposites in looking at how an unjust judge treats those that petition him in comparison to a just judge, and our heavenly Father who receives our prayers. Hear what the unjust judge says. Verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that God will avenge them speedily. Say that with me. Speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? And pray for me this morning. Lord, I just present myself before you uh, at best, really, an unprofitable servant, an unworthy vessel. But you have redeemed me by your blood and you've called me to this ministry of teaching your word. And for that, I'm very grateful. I humble myself before you and I ask you to anoint me this morning, O Lord, so that I might speak with clarity and power and with an unction from above. That your truth, Lord, might come alive in our souls. I don't want to be a dispenser of information. I don't want to be someone that's known as a communicator. I want to preach the riches of your word with great authority, O Lord. And so I ask you this morning that if there's any possible way that you would use me. And Lord, if if I'm unfit and incapable, I pray that you teach in spite of me. 
And let there be glory in the receptivity of your word this morning. And may we never see prayer the same again. In Christ's name, amen. Jesus gave this parable for this end and for this reason it said. That men ought always to pray. That doesn't mean lock yourself away in a room and never see your children and never see your wife. Not go to work. Uh, you know, I'm praying for the next 36 hours. I'm not going to feed the dog or the children. Um, it's me and Jesus. It's me and Jesus. Don't fall into that trap where people through false humility try to bring on glory to themselves so they'll be known as people that all they do is pray. Prayer is a continuous dialogue with God because you're aware of how near He is. It's talking to the Lord in the car. It's talking to the Lord in the shower. It is those moments where we lock ourselves away. And maybe you worship and maybe you turn on music and you sit alone before the Lord. And that is part of it. But don't think for a minute that prayer is limited to isolation. And good luck with that if you're married and have children and have pets. Good luck with that. Good luck with that if you have a phone. Or a beeper still, or whatever it is that people get in touch with you. Good luck with that. It's not about isolation. Although we are required to get alone and be with the Lord, it is about a continual awareness of God's nearness and God's attentiveness unto us where there is persistent dialogue. Jesus gave this parable so that you would always be in a spirit of prayer and not quit. Continuous prayer specific prayer. She said, avenge me of my adversary. Five simple words. We're not heard for our much speaking. Listen to me again. We're not heard for our much speaking. We are heard because of who is listening to us. And don't be intimidated by narrowing it down and making it specific. All of this, God help me somewhere, sometime, in Jesus' name, amen. This unbelief attitude that means if I tee it up very, very general for God and very ambiguous and I make the wiffle ball big enough, maybe God in his weakness can hit it. She turned to a judge and said, avenge me of my adversary. So Jesus is teaching us about prayer saying, keep it simple and make it specific and make it continuous. This prayer was not easily discouraged. It prayed until the answer came. And the Bible teaches us that we should always be in a spirit of expectation. Write that down in your Bible. A spirit of expectation, which might be, I don't know when God's going to. I don't know how God's going to. I might not see the variables, but I know that God is too good to give false hope. And when he invited me to pray, he swore to listen and he swore to answer. Something is about to happen because you've dialogued with God about a specific situation. God invites us to pray. Call upon me and I'll answer you, Jeremiah 33, 3 says. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. God promises to hear us. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Open to their cry. The righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all of their troubles. God promises to answer you. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone, say that with me, everyone that asketh receiveth. You might not receive what you asked, but everyone that asketh receiveth. See, prayer guarantees a reciprocal response from God. 
Sometimes he says no to what I'm asking, but I still receive anyway. He gives me blessings that I've not thought of. He opens doors that I've not asked him to do. Prayer encourages the activity of God and guarantees it. Everyone that asketh receiveth. Everyone that seeketh findeth. And to the one that knocketh, the door shall be opened. When we pray, we guarantee ourselves the absence of lack. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. If you're in a perpetual state of interaction with the Lord, there's provision there. Now hear me. I'm not talking about getting this mentality that God just waits for me to be my bellhop and to give me things. And there's more to God than answering my prayer. And don't get caught up in this name it, claim it, grab it, blab, all of that stuff that God just exists to make my water fountain drip with Kool-Aid. Don't get caught up in that. But I look to him. I look to him as my source, my strength, my provider. And many times he teaches us through this word. He said, you have not because you ask not. You're too busy doing what your two-year-old says. I do it. I do it. They don't touch that. That's hot. I do it. And they grab it. Hot. I told you. Prayer says, no, I'll work like it's up to me, but I'm going to keep my eyes on you like it's up to you. And I'm looking to you for, as my source. Prayer invites God into our circumstances. And it leaves room for God to work for us. So very quickly, I want to give you a couple of contrasts between the widow and the judge. The widow and us and the judge and the father. Let's look at the widow. She knew who the authority was. So don't forget that Jesus is teaching this parable about prayer. So if we're looking at the story, there are things here to teach us about prayer because that's why the parable was written. She knew who the authority was. No mention of her going to her friends. No mention of her going to her family. No mention of her finding any other access. She goes straight to the judge. Do you... Garner support from your friends and family and co-workers before you go to the judge? Do you try to get help? And God help us in Facebook. There's so much manipulation on Facebook by Christians. I ain't never seen so much dropping hints and we both got let go and rents due by Friday. Hoping the Lord will provide and send that out to a thousand people. And then if it happens, praise the Lord. No, you did that. You guilted them into helping you. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? She went right to who? The judge. And there's a glory in prayer when you go to God and you let him know of your needs and you're not helping him, you're not using tricks, you're not doing manipulation, you're not guilting someone. And when he comes through, guess who gets all of the glory? She went straight to the judge. Her request was specific. Avenge me of my adversary. Her request was simple, not eloquent. Be careful of these people that pray eloquently around you. Great God that you are that ran his finger down the mountains and made brooks that went into the river, into the oceans. Hallelujah. Uh-oh. Because they're like the people that love to be recognized out front by their eloquency and their their, uh, long robes. And they love titles. And prayer is simple. Be like a child when you pray. Come before the Lord. Five words that change, just five. Narrow them down, simplify it. Be specific. But come before him and say, I know I'm not heard for how I talk. 
I'm heard because of who I'm talking to and my faith rests in you, not in my ability to pray. My faith is not in me. My faith is in you who knows my words before I think them. Simple prayers, consistent prayers, persistent prayers. It's at her continual coming. Now here's one of the first contrasts. Jesus is not teaching us in this parable how to wear God out. I heard this mistaught for years. It's like God's in heaven saying, no, no, no. And you just keep, you hear the phrase, bombard heaven. I, got, I went to scratch in my head. I was like, what? Bombard heaven. You know, heaven's sealed up with unwillingness. And if you drop enough prayer bombs, think about it. Boom, I'm going to pray all night. Boom, and the unwilling God goes, he's tearing heaven up. We, we've got to do something for him. And your prayer and your prayer and you're quoting scripture and you're twisting God's arm. And he goes, oh, okay, 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 okay. Don't confuse the unjust judge with the righteous judge. The unjust judge answered because she was wearing him out. God doesn't answer because we wear him out. God answers because we come before him consistently telling him, I'm not going away. You're my source. You're my source. You're my source. We don't bomb heaven. We walk boldly through the newing living way, which he's consecrated through his veil, that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, we draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Simple prayers. John, what do you need me to do for you? And we tell him simply, but continuously. If heaven is quiet, we come back the next day. And we say, it's not a matter of changing your mind and I'm not trying to work you. I just want you to know that what I prayed yesterday, I'm praying today. And I believe in you. You are my source. She wearied him. We don't weary the Lord. This widow, in the, in the end, her request was her request. Let's contrast the widow for just a moment with us as believers. So if you're taking notes, you can write on one side the widow and put a line under it. And then on this side, believers. And let's correspond the two. This widow, her husband, her covering was dead. That's how she became a widow. Now, th this parable is talking about us in prayer. But there isn't much continuity Outside of the widow resembles us because there's too many differences. This widow, her husband, her covering was dead. We are engaged to a living master. I got a covering. Jesus Christ, I don't have to wear something over my head because Christ is my covering. He is my covering. And she was a widow because her husband died. And my husband-to-be, makes he lives forevermore. Something else. This widow was alone. She had nobody. God is with us. I'm not alone. And he swore that he'd never leave me nor forsake me. This widow was helpless. We're not helpless. Psalms is very clear. Our help comes from the Lord that made heaven and earth. This widow had no rights. In this day and age, this dispensation, this uh, geographical uh, situation, this woman had no rights, no access. But I'm in a covenant with God. I'm not outside of rights. I have legal access to the presence of the Lord. She had not one voice of encouragement. 
No, no way she could come before a judge. And when it says she'd come before him, she would scream over the tent, the walls of the tent. She had no money to bribe anybody to get in to see the judge. She had no husband to appear. So she just sat on the outside of the tent and would scream out to the judge trying to get her case heard. But we're nothing like her. She had no voice of encouragement. Nobody's saying, the judge is going to see you today. Uh, your day is coming. Your hour is almost here. But we have the promises of God Almighty that every time I pray, God hears me. You ought to be talking to yourself when you pray. When you get done, after you say amen, tell yourself, God heard that. Not only heard that, he logged that. The Lord wouldn't invite me to pray and not promise to listen and promise to answer. She had no voice of encouragement. And we have the Spirit of God reminding us that the promises of God are yes and amen. And if you're praying in the will of God based on the word of God, let encouragement fill your soul that it's just a matter of time. You need to write that in your notes. It's just a matter of time. If you've prayed in the will of God, the scripture says, this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything, anything according to his will, he hears us. And if, we, if he hears us, we know we have the petition we've desired of him. It's just a matter of time. This widow had no access. We have the name of Jesus. So let's just say she's trying to get into the tent to see the traveling judge and she had no access, no husband, no right, no connections. And you've heard me say this many times before. We come into the throne room of God and let's just, I don't know that there are. But let's say there are angels standing at the door and say, can I help you? Uh, yeah, I come in the name of Jesus. Oh, come right on in. Do you see the difference? She prayed with no encouragement, no access, no, no scriptures, no anything. And we have the Spirit of God, the name of God, and the promises of God. And he told this parable to show us that if she could find an answer with nothing on her side, then you ought to be able to continue in prayer because God is the judge that's invited you to come before him and you have access through the name of Jesus. I'm preaching better than y'all are responding, but I want you to know that this is good. This is truth. She had no lawyer to plead her case. I have Jesus Christ, the advocate, that pleads mine. No lawyer. The lawyer. The judge related to all of them. Oh, well, that's biased. That's unfair. I mean, let me tell you something. God is not fair. Make, it make you mad if you want. He does not treat all people equally. He loves equally. God is just. And I am elevated outside of what is deserved me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because I'm in him, I am preferred. Somebody said, I got a black American Express sapphire card. And when I go to the airport, I've got a preferred. See, we see it in society. How did they get preferred? Money. How do you get to come in here and sit down and have a nice sandwich in this little room? And I'm sitting out here with all the common people and cattle and chickens and sitting in the hallway at Hartsville International. Uh, money and prestige. They're 
frequent flyers. They're, those are frequent, frequent flyers. And those are blue and those are gold and those are triple diamond. What are you? I'm John. You go back out here. Oh. Nobody screaming that ain't fair. That's the way it is. John, you decide here. What kind of ticket you got? Priceline? Get over here. All right. We go way over here. I paid $11 for mine. I guess I don't have no perks. I'm, I'm over here Priceline. So you understand that when we go before the Lord, he doesn't see John. It's like he sees through a sheet of blood. And when he looks through that blood, and I'm on the other side of it, he says, my son, my son, you have access. No one questions his sons. This widow had no uh, value in the eyes of the judge. And we are the pearl of great price. The judge had no care or concern for her, but our judge is full of compassion for us. This judge had no interest in her case. Ours is deeply interested and current. She had no other alternative but to weary the judge. Listen to this. She had no other alternative except to stand on the other side of the tent and scream and interrupt his proceedings. Because see, in this day and age, bribery was the way in and more bribery was the way to the decision you wanted. And she had no other approach but to weary the judge. We don't weary the judge, we worship the judge. Do you remember the Gentile that before the gospel was even presented to the Gentiles, it was a precursor of things to come. The woman came before Jesus and said, would you heal my daughter? She's grievously vexed. And Jesus said, it's not time. It's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. What he meant was Gentiles. We're not done ministering to the Jews. And it's the children's bread. I'm the living bread of life. And I'm going to minister to the Jews first. And the Bible said, and she worshiped him. So here's a no. And I just bless you, Messiah. I just worship you. King of kings, son of David, I worship you. Jesus said, it's not right. It's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. She goes, oh, I'm a dog. You got that right. But I'm your puppy. I said, what? Even dogs get crumbs that fall from their master's table. What would you say? You're my master. And Jesus said, I've not seen faith being unto you. You can have it. That's not fair. That's not right. But her position, how she viewed him, and this was before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Swap out your wearying the Lord for worship. Don't try to bombard heaven. Come in timidly. I meant meekly, reverently, uh, simply. With short prayers, with high faith. And say, I just want you to know that what I asked you for yesterday, I'm back today. And I know it doesn't worry you. And I know I'm not wearying you. But I wanted you to know the same thing I prayed yesterday, I'm praying today. And I will not quit. This widow had no connection to the judge. But the judge is our father. It's not the same thing, but let me give you just a little insights into I try to incorporate them into my sermon about being a brand new dad. I'm finding that, uh, you know, I love y'all, but y'all ain't my children. I, I mean, I really deeply love you and care for you. But I, I was in counseling not too long ago, and it wasn't life or death, but it was counseling. 
And I just heard my little girls in the hall. And so here's this person. Please don't think less of me and don't write me a letter. It's just the way it happened. You know, this person was just talking and I heard my little Elizabeth say something like, Dad. I'm like, excuse me, just one minute. I, this, this lady's in the middle talking. I'm pew. I run out in the hallway. Hey, baby, come here. I picked Olivia up and picked Isabel up and played with them about five, six, seven minutes. And I went, uh-oh. I'm, Kelly, will you hold in just a minute? I'll be... I'll be right back. Hold on. I got, Daddy got to work. Got to come back. So I go in the office. I come back in. I sit down. What were you saying? Yes. What were you saying? That ain't fair. You hear me? She had need. She had scheduled an appointment. She was vulnerable. But I couldn't help it. It's my baby's in the hall. And to know that I moved the Lord when I talked to him. He'll step over other people to get to me and say, John, what you need? What you need, buddy? See, that helps me not to quit praying. This reason the parable was given so that you wouldn't quit in your praying. I'm not a widow. I'm the bride. I'm the son. I'm the favorite. I got a lawyer. He is interested. He is current, and I'm done with wearing him. I'm going to worship him. And at the sound of my voice, he gets up from his seat to see about me. See, if I believe that, I pray more. I pray better. I pray more consistently. This wasn't a formula of how to pray. This was written to show you how not to pray. What? Look at it. Hear what the unjust judge says so you can straighten up your theology so you can continue to pray. All right, let's look at the judge. The unjust judge would not for a while, the Bible says, because he didn't care. But the righteous judge does not for a while because he does care. God understands timing. God understands things that you don't understand. And God sees things that you don't see. And I've used this illustration before, but by, you know, I've been here 20 years, so you've probably heard all my illustrations, but this one fits here very, very specifically. If I were to ask you what's two plus two plus two, what would you answer out loud? Are you sure? Are, really, are you sure? No, wrong, it's 10. I forgot to tell you to add the four to it. And you go, What? No, you came to your decision based on incomplete information. And when we pray, we're praying with incomplete information. And we know what we think we see and we know what we think we know. We're praying according to our desires. But God sees the thing that's missing from our prayer and sometimes waits because of His omniscience and His full knowledge. This other one waited because he didn't care. My God waits because he does care. The unjust judge said, I fear not God nor regard man. Well, I fear not God. Our judge is God. And this judge said, I regard not man. I have no concern for him. The one I pray to, the one I make petition to, is the, uh, is the righteous God, the just God, the good God, the friend of the needy, the father of the fatherless, and the avenger of all that are oppressed. This unjust judge says, the widow troubles me. 
which means she wearies me. She reduces my strength. But the God I talk to is the Almighty God, and I don't weary Him. It hasn't happened yet because my children are only 19 months old. But the first time one of them is hurt or needs something, and I I see them... There there might be some of you like me, I think a lot and I think ahead and I'll play out movies in my mind. Do you, anybody else, am I the only psychotic one in here? I'll do all that in a minute. And I can just see her and I go, what's wrong, baby? Uh, I I was hurt. And I said, why why didn't you come to me? I don't want to bother you. And then every part of me as a man just melts. And I get in the floor and go, look at me. You cannot bother me. You are my most important possession. There's nothing I do. There's nothing I read. There's nothing, nowhere I go. There's no responsibility I have that trumps you. You are my Olivia. And you are my Isabel. This unjust judge does not regard man, but my judge died for this man. Changes the way you talk to him. I can't put him out. I can't bother him. The unjust judge said, I will avenge her because she wearies me. And the righteous judge said, I will avenge you because I love you. But sometimes... We wait, and we pray, and nothing happens. We pray, and we wait. And there is no hotter flame. There is no hotter flame in this lifetime than waiting on the Lord. When heaven is quiet, and God doesn't seem to be listening, and God doesn't seem to be active or working, and the answer doesn't seem to be coming. But God gives us this parable so that we won't quit. So that we won't quit. Sometimes we have to wait because God is doing more than one thing at a time. And he's piecing things together. Sometimes we have to wait because it's just not time yet. For us it's time. Are we there yet? No. In Jesus' name, are we there yet? No. (laughs) The name of Jesus is not a talisman that you rub so that God will do magic on your behalf. It's the petitions there. And it's, it's a hard... Now I'm dealing with some deeper things here. It's hard when your soul is being gutted out and you're waiting on the Lord and it's quiet. And then you faintly whisper, Are we there yet? And nothing. But faith has to see... Here it is. The good judge. The righteous judge. The all-seeing judge, the all-knowing judge that is intimately acquainted and deeply affectionate towards me so that when I can't see his hand, I trust his heart. That keeps you praying. Sometimes we have to wait because there's supernatural opposition. Sometimes the devil is in on and principalities and powers are in on What this blessing is going to do. And this is not about the truck. But I believe that there was a shift. 
in Eldama Ravine, Kenya, when this blessing come, because in this pagan village, that's impossible. Do you understand? For them, he could have wrote a million dollar check as easily as he could have bought this truck. It's impossible. Almost everyone walks and and or they ride a cow. It's impossible. And, and here now all of a sudden there's this miracle that happens. Sometimes, and there may be someone here today, and this wasn't in my notes, but I feel I'm supposed to share it. Maybe the reason there's such opposition on this one prayer is when the Lord grants the breakthrough, the enemy sees that the spiritual dynamics of your family and your future are going to shift. They're going to shift. When that person comes back home, it's going to shift. When you come out of that storm, it's going to shift. I know the devil tried to kill me because he knew when I come out on the other side that there was going to be a shift and he was going to grant me children that was going to unpack this new thing. But I had, you have to make, listen, you have to, you have to hold on. You can't quit. Well, Brother John, I've prayed and nothing's happened. I know, I understand. But if you stop praying, nothing will happen. Stand before the Lord in simple faith. And I'm not going away because I know how you view me and I know who you are. Sometimes we have to wait because the Lord is changing us. The wait changes us. Answered prayer doesn't change me. Prayer changes me. Because when I'm praying, I'm connected to God, if you will. And there's exchange. Do you know while you're talking to God, there's exchange going on? Picture like uh, an IV of blood going between the two of you. Or breathing. in between, Just an exchange of power and glory. And you're talking to him about one thing. And he's transfusing things you're not even asking for. Sometimes you come out of prayer and that prayer's not answered. But you feel different. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like I, I feel like everything's going to be alright. Did anything change? Mm-mm. But I feel good up in here. You know, you grab a water pistol and charge hell with it. Just, I feel good. Sometimes we wait because God's doing something deeper in us than the thing we're asking about. And sometimes we wait because you're not ready. You're not ready. You got to have capacity for some of these blessings. And you're, you tell other people you're waiting on God, and maybe God's telling you that He's waiting on you. You're not ready. And I'm not, I want you to know when I preach, I often hear me telling my stories, but that's the only stories I got. I can't really tell yours. Mine, when we were believing for children, we made the nursery. We bought the cribs. We went from a four-cylinder Honda Civic that got about 35 miles to a gallon to an eight-cylinder SUV that went to Kroger. (laughs) What were you doing? All I knew to do was tell the Lord, I'm ready. We painted the walls. I'm ready. We bought kid pictures that matched the walls. See, that was Kelly's part. It matched. I didn't know you had to do that, but it matched the color, and it, it picked up the color and jumped off there. We had the white cribs. We had everything. Why would you do that? Because I wanted him to know that I wasn't asking him for something that I wasn't getting ready for. Call upon me, and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night unto him, although he bear long with them? Shall not God avenge his own that cry? 
cry out, not just tears, but cry out day and night. Talking to him all the time. I meant what I asked you about, oh Lord. I meant that. Lisa, if you would come for me, please. Your answer will come. Shall not God, okay, Jesus is teaching on prayer. Shall not God avenge his own elect that cry out day and night to him? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? By the time this deal is done and the way this last day and age is and there's such spiritual opposition and such gross darkness and the love of many have grown cold because of their own sinfulness, it's not prayerlessness that will be seen that's epidemic, but it's fading in prayer that will be seen. Starting something and not finishing it. When the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith in the earth? When you're buried, they say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You are made from dust and you go back to dust. When the Lord comes in your situation, will he find faith in your earth? Will he find it? Not just in the earth, but in the earth. Will he find you asking? Will he find you knocking? Will he find you looking? Your answer will come. There's someone in this room, I believe you've said these words to the Lord. When are you going to do this for me? And I'm answering your question in this sermon in God's time. That's not just pacifying you. Your answer will come in God's time. Your answer will come, but it's going to come suddenly. Suddenly. It said, shall not God avenge his own elect? I tell you, he's going to do it speedily. So he took the person's prayer, avenge me, and there was this long wait, and then speedily. We went from no children to a phone call, hung it up, children. Speedily, speedily. What are you waiting on? You know why you're discouraged? Because you want God to show you the progression of it, and you've, you've bypassed the Lord who can do it speedily. Can't trouble hit you speedily? We believe that, but we don't believe that God will answer our prayer speedily. Me and Mama Sheila call it the suddenlies. And suddenly, out of nowhere, no expectation, the shift happens. And you go, there it was. Your answer will come. And when it comes, it will be unmistakable. I have a word for you. When it comes... It ain't going to kind of look like your prayer. It's going to look exactly like your prayer because the Lord answers prayer. Who was in our church at Edna Place and Second Baptist? Do you remember the little computer graphic we drew? And I told you in my heart, I said, all I know is it looks like a gymnatorium, like a gym. And I said, it seats about 900, 1,000 people. Now, I didn't see a hockey arena and a football field and a restaurant and a $10 million piece of property, but we'd play that before every service, you remember? Because we saw it. We prayed about it. We prayed about it. So God sees our little drawing, and he goes, kind of. Here's your little drawing that you got to build that's going to cost you 4 or $5 million. Let's throw that away. I give you five times the building. For 20% of the money. Watch this. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. And there it is. It's unmistakable. He didn't give me what I asked for. He gave me what he planned on. And when he answers, everyone's going to look and say, The Lord has done great things for you. We asked for a baby. Two. 
I didn't ask for two. And by the way, I know we're coming close to 12. I've had my girls for the last three days by myself. Hey, hey. How are you? Loving my life. How are you doing? Worn out, tired in my bones. Loving it. Thank the Lord for grandma. Can I have an amen? Guys, thank you for grandma. Your answer will come and it will be undeniable. Your answer will come because God has promised to answer you. Your answer will come will come, and when it comes, it'll be your answer. Looking just like what you prayed for. Hey, nail it down. Be specific. You can't make it hard on the Lord. When the answer comes, it's going to look just like the video that you played, that you prayed. Just spell it out and say, Lord, I'm not maneuvering you. I'm not manipulating you. I'm trusting you. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry? Yes. He asked you so you'd have to answer. Won't he? Yes. So keep asking, keep praying. When your answer comes, it will be your answer. No hype, no fanfare, it's really simple. There are people in this room that used to pray for something and you faded. You didn't quit. Like, you ain't turned your back on God. You've not jumped off the deep end and living like hell and telling everybody I'm fine. But it just... I-16 got long, long, and you quit. And God sent you a word today and said, if you don't quit, you'll reap. If you don't quit, I'll answer. And you're signing back up and saying, I'm going to stand before the righteous judge, and I'm going to stay there until my suddenly. If that's you, it's personal between you and the Lord, but I want you to stand and go, I heard you, Lord, and I'm back to asking. I'm back to standing. Where are you? Look. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Shall he not do what he spoke to you? God is faithful. Shall not God avenge his own elect? I tell you, he's going to answer them with a suddenly. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Those of you that God's done that for you, would you just stand now and lift your hands and thank Him. God, I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to do it for them. You did it for me and I've not forgotten. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Let there be worship in this place. Thank you, Lord. The God that answers prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, create a spirit of expectancy in this house create a spirit of expectancy we call on the name of the living God the righteous judge of all the earth glory to your name O Lord you do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think glory to the Lord glory to the Lord would the rest of you stand with us glory to the Lord final thoughts in the days of Elijah, in a spiritual bankruptcy, God got ready to have a showdown, and he said, I'm going to show you who God is. The one that answers prayer. The one that answers prayer is the living God. And so the Baalite prophets cut themselves, and they squirt blood, and they danced all day. And Elijah knew he had the win in hand. He goes, hey, what's the matter? Your God sleep? Is he on vacation? 
And in the original manuscript, it means one of the things is like, is he in the restroom? Is your God busy? Just mocking him. And when his, his turn come out, simple prayer, he said, that they may know that there's a God in Israel. Send the fire, O oh Lord. Boom! It just fell. Suddenly. Suddenly. Oh, you better look up. Because something's stirring above your head. You may be one prayer away from a miracle. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.